Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. We're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. So please do me a big favor, share and tag your friends to really enjoy this information because our effort is to get more of what we are offering this message out to more people. So be sure to also subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher so you don't miss any of our episodes. This show and my leadership company as well as my family leadership book came out of my passion for creating high-performing parent leaders. I mean, think of someone you admire for their leadership skills. Maybe it's someone famous like Martin Luther King or Tony Robbins. Maybe it's someone in your own life like a teacher, parent, or supervisor. How did they make you feel? How did they inspire you? Now think about how your kids would be if you had the quality of that person. Where do you start? Well, first, you can buy my Amazon number one best-selling book called Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership. It's only 30 pages because I know we as parents are very busy and I want this to be a how-to-do-it book so you're not just reading and reading. Then after that, dive in deeper, start my online three-month Harmonious Family Blueprint program, and you'll need to email us at info at integrativeminds.com. With your contact info, so you can schedule an interview time. The link to the book as well as the program is in the show notes. So our next guest is a professional coach, author, speaker, and personal growth junkie. She's a graduate from the University of Connecticut. She became a certified life coach in 2009 with the ICF's Accredited Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. I love this. We are both alumni there, so we definitely speak the same language. She's also the author of Rock Freshman Year, Your Roadmap to the Ultimate College Experience. She is super passionate about helping teens and young adults get the most out of their college experience and live extraordinary lives. Her philosophy is really simple. When you marry your gifts to your passion, you are unstoppable. She is on a mission to create unstoppable adults, one student at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Kim Girard. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And I love talking to a fellow alumni. Go IPEC. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So we're talking about this topic of kids and college. I know it's important for all of us as parents and the kids to be set up and to win in college. I love that you are a coach to help them because we know that our kids need some help and guidance when they get to college. It is a very confusing time. Definitely. What have you found out about college and kids? What's the dropout rates? These are the stats out there, and and some people believe them, some don't, but I'm telling you, one in three incoming college students never graduate. Um, That's a national statistic. It includes junior colleges and four-year universities, but one in three, you know, to me, that means something isn't going right. It's a third of our students. That's very sad Yes, to think of the stress that they're going through before they even decide to drop out. 
I want to know why college students is what led you to your purpose and passion. Thank you for that question. You know, it really is my story. And I'm definitely passionate about this because when I was a kid in school, and I'll, I'm going to try and do the really short version, but I was that high school kid that never knew what she wanted to be when she grew up. Like many 18 year olds, you know, some people are lucky and they just sort of know and others, most actually don't know. And I never had a clue. And when I went off to college, I just didn't even know what to expect. And for me, I thought I could do college like high school. So what that meant was I wrote papers the night before they were due. I crammed for exams. I was very social. I had the social part of college down and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> what happened in my experience in my first semester is that um, I ended up with a 1.8 GPA. And uh, I didn't even know you could flunk out of college. I'm the firstborn, you know, the oldest of five in my family, and neither of my parents went to college. So I was just really unprepared, honestly. I, I didn't know that you could flunk out. I didn't know the school could ask you to leave. And I had to figure it out. And I realized that, wow, there is a better way of doing this. There's, uh, there's definitely, so I learned a lot through my experience because it was not without struggle. I feel like I've almost never talked to an adult when I say to them, if you could go back to college and do it all over again, what would you do differently? And every adult has an answer. You know, it always has to be aging more or um, choosing a major that they were passionate about. You know, there's always something that they say, gosh, if I did it all over again, I would do it differently. So I want to get in front of this so that kids do it right the first time and get the most out of their experience. With that kind of rate, what are some of the reasons that they are dropping out? Because they know that it's going to be stressful. So there must be more than that, right? Oh, totally. In my experience, what it comes down to for me is there are really two main reasons. And, and you know, this is sort of a blanket statement overall, but there are only two things that human beings, in my opinion, need in life if all of their basic needs are being met. Um, you know, if they have food, clothing, and shelter, really, there's, there's only two other things that they need. The first is connection. We all need to connect with other human beings. We need friends, we need intimate relationships, we need family, we need to connect. This is no different for a college student. So when a kid goes off to college, if they are not connecting with their roommate or finding their people and finding their tribe, if they are not comfortable on campus, if they aren't feeling like they're engaging and they really feel isolated, they're homesick and they wanna come home. So. That's overall one of the largest components. When kids want to come home, it usually means something is socially not going well for them. The other reason is, and, and stick with me on this one because this is a little bit of a, a stretch, but it really is uh, you know, what I'm finding, that we all as human beings need a reason to get up in the morning. We need to know that our life has meaning, that we have purpose, that the things that we are doing are relevant, are contributing to the world. Now, 18-year-olds aren't running around thinking in college, hey, what's my purpose, right? Yeah. But, you know, rarely are they thinking that. But I will tell you, this is something that's happening. If they do not know what point B is, if they cannot figure out where they're headed, and that's the first step to, you know, figuring out what is my, my purpose, all the stuff they're doing in point A is really challenging. Like, they're taking math and history and chemistry and political science and economics. They're taking all of these you know, general studies classes. And if they don't know why, their why, and, and they can't figure that out, it's easy to just give up because it's hard, quite frankly. It's really challenging. And if there's nothing to ground you and to root you to that, what is my why? They want to come home. Yeah, the why is the purpose. And that's not just even with people, that's with entity like companies, right? You go to any big companies, they'll tell you what their purpose is. Because 
why are you operating? It doesn't make sense. So I think that's a very valid point that you made. Yeah, thank you. And to take a step back further, which is something you and I were trained, is before you can even find out what your purpose is, the why, you got to know what's important for you, your values, your core values. A lot of these kids never even were taught how to figure out what their top five core values are. And with the way society is going today, is it your parents' core value, what they want you to do? Is it the school? Because every school is pushing kids to go to college. And they just think that's the natural progression, but and they're just there to be there. But is that serving their core values and their purpose? That is so true. And oftentimes, um, kids don't even really understand what a value means. What is a core value? They don't, they don't. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick then. Sometimes we think what we value. For example, you know, here's a really good example. One of my highest values is fun. I think life is meant to be fun. Now, there are some people who would argue that that's not even a value. And I'm like, it's absolutely a value. It's one of my highest values. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm not a serious person when I need to be. It just means that for me, I go through life trying to engage and have fun and share joy wherever I can. And I think it's important to live that way. For me, it's important to live that way. Some people, it isn't. That's not their value. I think that if kids could get clear on what is really important to you, um, what, you know, if nothing mattered, if nothing mattered and you could just do what you wanted to do in the world, what kind of things would you do? Like, are you an athlete? Do you have to move your body? Do you value health? Is that one of your highest values? Is it intellect? Are you just a highly intellectual person and you, you, know, you value reading and learning? You know, there's, there's a lot of different values out there, but it is important to figure those out because oftentimes your purpose and your passion is hidden in that juicy stuff right there. That's where it is. And I want to reiterate that we're not saying that fun isn't important. We're talking about, is it your core value, which is your top five? And the top five is your driver to your purpose, your why. So fun could be number eight or 10. So it's still important. It's just not going to be your major driver. Right. You know, so it's, it's important. And there's a lot of work. You know, this is a big topic, obviously. There's a lot of work that goes into pulling values out and core values and all of that work. But that's definitely something that I do in my work is I, I help kids really get connected to those things. Yeah. And then there's different core values for each area of your life. What you find that's really important in social life is very different in your financial life or school life or in personal growth. I spend sometimes an hour and a half just pulling that top five core values in one area of my client's life out. And then a year or two later, it changes. And I think that's what we need to tell the listeners that it changes. It's, your values are not going to be the same when you're 18 as opposed to 35 and you've got two kids and married in a house. That's very true. And, that, and, and it's normal. Like uh, the idea that these things change uh, is completely normal. As we mature and as we grow, you know, we level up and we start changing the way, you know, our modality and the way we do things and, and how we think and feel about things. Absolutely. Let's get back with you. When you're working with these kids, these students, they got to be engaged. So how do you get them engaged? One of the most important things when I work with freshmen, for example, and they're just showing up on campus, uh, I am all about getting comfortable, like getting them to a place where they are socially comfortable, but engagement is critical. They have to find their tribe pretty quickly, or at least some people to engage with. So 
I always encourage kids to get, have at least three social outlets. And sometimes it can be in your dorm. I know when I went to college, I was very active in my dorm. I was dorm president. I, you know, I, I did help run the dorm, right? I can see that. <laughs> so I had, you know, I had a lot of interaction. I knew everybody in my dorm. I was just a very social person. And so that was one area that I engaged. Now, if I could do it all over again, I was actually the kid who didn't do what I'm about to tell people to do. And I really think it would have changed my experience. Uh, I encourage people to join at least one club or two clubs or get a part-time job or do something. If you can get friend groups in three different areas, that's going to get you engaged. And it's also going to help pull out that passion. So if, for example, a student wants to, to go Greek and rush a fraternity or sorority, that's one area to be engaged in. Um, but don't only do that. And while that's a really time consuming jumping in, you know, the, the going, yeah, very time consuming thing, still be engaged in your dorm, um, still get a part-time job if you want, or join the photography club. If you have an interest in photography, do intramural sports. If you're an athlete, if you're athletic and you want to play soccer and you want to play basketball or, you know, something like that. But if you can have friend groups in different areas, you're not putting all of your uh, eggs in one friend basket because if things blow up, all of a sudden you can go from having a friend group to complete isolation. And, um, you know, that's, that's where kids go wrong sometimes. They sort of glob onto that first friend group that they can find and they hope that that's going to be everything for them. And as they evolve and grow in college, sometimes those friend groups, you know, change and want to have different areas where you can reach out and um, and meet people that have similar experiences as you. You make a really good point because how do they know what they want unless they go out there and experience a little bit of everything? It's like going up to the buffet table. Totally. You don't know if you like sushi until you try it. Right. Just take a little bit of it, see if you like it and yeah. give it a try. Start with a California roll and then you, you know, might get something that's not cooked yet, you know? It's the one thing that I know when I started my freshman year in college was that I was going to be in the medical field because that's what my parents wanted me to be. And I ended up switching it to undecided and then I switched it again. But what happens when you work with kids and they either don't know what they want to be or they're switching back and forth in majors? If they don't know what they want to be in life, how are they going to know what major they're going to pick? That's an awesome question. And I will tell you, for, for the listeners out there, almost every kid changes their major at least one time. So that's completely normal. So parents don't freak out. Kids, if you're listening, don't freak out if that changes. I've almost never worked with a student who didn't change their major. And it doesn't have to be a complete departure. It's like you, you might go in as a bio major and then realize, oh, I'm actually more interested in biochemistry as opposed to biology, or I want to be a doctor and then you decide you want to be a veterinarian instead, you know, like those. So it's similar, but fine tuning it. Um, but if you don't know, you know, really, this is one of the hardest things kids to grasp. Sometimes what you don't want to do is just as valuable information as what you enjoy. So, you know, when you take classes and you're like, no, I, this class, no, I do not like math at all. I'm not a math person. I don't like chemistry. I don't like anything that has to do with math. And guess what? You're probably not going to be a sciencey person. Your major should not be, you know, chemistry or biology, or you shouldn't want to be a doctor. That's probably not going to be a good choice for you because it's very science and math driven trying everything, getting back to that question, just keep trying things because, and keep a journal, you know, even the littlest bit of information can really be telling. If you enjoy a class, it's like, I really enjoyed that lecture today. 
spend a little time thinking about what is it about that lecture that you enjoyed? What is it? Was it the teacher? Was it the way they engaged you? Was it the subject matter? Was it, what was it about that class that you really enjoyed? Because there's probably something in there. And if you, if you kind of write it down, you're going to realize that your likes and dislikes, there's going to be a lot of intersections around that where it's like, wait a minute, I enjoy the classes that where I get an opportunity to participate. I like public speaking. I like being, you know, I'm extroverted. And all of a sudden, the what my gifts are start to come out. Um, and so it's really just engaging. And I'm telling you, this is why coaching is so valuable because it is challenging to figure this out on your own. But when you have an impartial person as a coach, you know what this is like. It's like when you're working with someone, um, we see things differently than the student sees it. So I can hear in their voice when they're excited about something and they don't even realize that they're excited about it. And I can pull the passion out of that and turn it into something. I've helped kids figure out their major just because I can hear the passion in their voice when they're sharing a story about something that may not seem like it even matters. It's kind of interesting. It's really just about engaging. It's sort of like, I use this analogy a lot. Um, life is like driving at night with your headlights on. You can only see 30 feet in front of you until you drive those 30 feet and the next 30 feet unfold. Students, it's like, look, if you just park your car in the driveway, you're only gonna ever see 30 feet in front of you. You're never gonna know what's out there. So you have to continue to engage and drive those 30 feet so the next 30 feet unfold and you can make more choices and, and engage more. And that's what life's about, is just continuing to grow and move. I think that's not just for college, it's for all of us, right? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Good metaphor. What do you think are the problems? Maybe just give us two biggest problems on, on college campus right now. Well, I'll tell you, like overall, the biggest problems on college campuses, the nightmare problems that colleges never want to deal with are alcohol and drug abuse and sexual assault. Those are the danger zone things that, that happen on every campus, unfortunately. So 80% of kids statistically drink alcohol when they go to college. Um, and with alcohol comes a lot of other bad things, a lot of other things. Right. And, and look, you know, kids are going to enjoy their experience. God knows I did. I, you know, I, I had a lot of fun in college, but you know, you got to remember 18 to 22 year olds, um, don't have a fully developed frontal lobe yet. So you add a little things to that and the rational decision-making area centers of the brain are not firing being safe. Safety is one of the most important things. Uh, I, you know, I tell kids, look, have a good time, party do what you want to do out there in the world. But, um, you know, for women, especially travel in packs, you know, always make sure your girlfriends stick together. Don't walk home alone at night. Always make sure you're, you know, you get home safely. Um, bad things happen when it's dark, you're drunk, and, you know, you're, you're running around campus. That's when most sexual assaults happen as well. So um, those are some of the danger zone things that, that schools hate to deal with, but you always hear stories. And um, so it's really just about parents really having those conversations before the kids get to school about what to do if or how to navigate around these things. Yeah. And it's important that we teach our boys too, because you hear about all of these hazing and boys assaulting girls. So parents need to have these conversations with the boys on what if, when this shows up, what do you say, do, think, behave? so that everybody is on the same level of understanding. I'm glad you brought up the boys because a lot of people, when they think of sexual assault, they always think of the girl as the victim. But I will tell you, 
one of the biggest problems I think with the sexual assault out there is um, I think boys are sometimes confused and I'm certainly not going to make an excuse for this, but I'm going to just say this and parents really need to have this conversation with their, with their boys. No means no, no always means no. No means no if you just met her, no means no if you've been dating for six months. And what happens sometimes is you know, you, you, kid, you know, kids are getting along and they've been dating and, you know, they're, you know, they're getting hot and heavy. And then the girl might say, you know what, I've had a little too much to drink. No. And he thinks, wait a minute, we're dating. And yeah. And, and that's no, no always means no. So I think it's important to, to let our boys know what that means. Um, because kids, boys are getting in trouble. Boys are you know, being uh, yeah. convicted of a crime. And- and you said, you know, even besides the the sexual assault, you're talking about alcohol and drugs because these hazing are have yeah. nothing to do with sexual. It's they're succumbing to alcohol and they're dying from it. So they're not educated as to the potential risks of substance abuse. I, I think risk aversion is kind of the thing. That is the number one thing. You know, kids don't have that, you know, when you're 18 years old, you don't think about, you're not thinking ahead to all the bad things that can possibly happen um, and the consequences. And when you drink, that goes away entirely. All of a sudden, it seems like a good idea to do something really risky because you're under the influence. It's important to have that, put that stuff in perspective a little bit and, uh, and think about it. What are the challenges that our freshmen are facing? Because I know they're going to be facing much more challenges as opposed to a sophomore, junior, and senior. Yeah, their challenges are definitely different. I mean, every every year brings its own challenge. But yes, that first, you know, that transition into college. And, you know, I think academically, the biggest challenges for students is even if you are prepared, here's the thing that happens, you know, kids, let's use UCLA, for example, you need pretty much a 4.0 to get into UCLA these days, which is crazy. So let's say you're in the top 10% of your high school. When you get to a UCLA, everybody there is in the top Top 10, right. So suddenly you're in a lecture hall, possibly with 350 to 500 students taking chemistry. And all of a sudden, you know, the teacher grades on a curve and somebody's getting the F. This is a real big adjustment. I think lecture halls are a big adjustment for students. They're used to being in classrooms of 25 to 30 students. And all of a sudden they're they're a number, you know, you don't don't even have to go to school. Mom is, yeah, you're talking about 500 students, 350, like you're saying, that's your class. That's your class. And the teacher doesn't even know you personally. You know, you, sometimes you're just a student ID number on an exam. And in some cases, there's only a midterm and a final. What I find happens is students don't know, uh, they don't get help soon enough. So if they find themselves lost, my biggest academic advice that I, I tell students is like, look, the minute you are lost in class, go get help. Get a peer group to study with, go to the tutoring center. There are resources on campus to help you. If you are stressed out and anxious, there are counseling services but get in front of this stuff. Um, don't wait until after the midterm because let's, like if you get a C or a D on a midterm and all you have is a final as, as an opportunity to bring your grade up, it is tough to pull a decent grade out of, out of a class. You don't want to wait too long and students tend to just sort of hope it goes away or hope they'll figure it out. So don't, don't be afraid to go get help in advance. I, I think that's um, one of the most important things. 
And maybe even that first day or that summer before you start, you should go on campus, look at all the resources they have, just so that you know what's available. When the time comes, sometimes we're in a panic and we don't know where to go. But if you have that list already, yes, I I always encourage students to make a list of all resources, like um, you know, make a list of all the emergency services as well. You know, fire, police. You know, if anything happens, so you have these numbers on hand. Have the number to the tutoring center. Have the number to health services. Right on your phone. Right on your phone. Have it all there. Um, so if you need help, and and utilize your your professor's office hours. Uh, you know, teachers have office hours. So if you are lost, don't be ashamed to walk in and say, "Look, I was in your lecture today, and I got to be honest with you, I am lost. I I." This all went over my head and I'm wondering what I'm missing. Please help me understand today's lecture. Don't be afraid to do that. That shows the teacher that you, are, that you care and they, they will remember your name because you showed up for help. Yeah. That's also some solid advice there. Yeah. I think another thing that we haven't touched is that a lot of these college students are now going to be living in the dorms, like you said, and they're going to have roommates that they might not have had before that they didn't get to choose. What's your advice on roommate relationship? Roommates, a, a lot of people, I, I subscribe to the um, just get a roommate you don't know theory, honestly. A lot of kids want to be comfortable. So sometimes if they know they're going uh, to school with, with someone that they know already, they want a room together. And I got a dollar for every, every friendship that was destroyed because they became roommates. <laughs> uh-huh. It's not that it can't work. Here's, here's the thing. If you realize that in a roommate situation, the at the very least, a lot of people think, I'm going to get a roommate, we're going to be best friends, we're going to do everything together. And really, all you have to do is share space and respect each other's property, right? Respect each other and share space. So communication is key. So even if you end up with a roommate and it's like, hey, this guy or this girl isn't a person that I would choose to be a friend with, but we need to have a, a healthy roommate relationship. So I have a policy. It's like, do not let anything go past 24 hours if it bothers you. So bring stuff up right away. And the way to do this with um, kids, it's really uncomfortable because we all want to be liked. And we don't want to seem like that petty roommate who's complaining and whining about something. So I always recommend that students do this. I say, talk to your roommate and say, hey, look, if I ever do anything that bothers you or is upsetting to you or for whatever reason, you know, this isn't going to work for you, please, I'm giving you an open door policy to just bring it up and please bring it up quickly. And I hope that you will extend the same courtesy for me. And, um, you know, even plan, you know, especially in the beginning, having a a roommate uh, meeting, like once a week, say on Sundays, let's go grab dinner and let's talk about how the week went and how things are going and just leave that communication open and just don't take things personally. If, uh, if one of you is a slob and the other one's really tidy, you may never get your sloppy roommate to make the bed, but you can say, look, I don't care if you make your bed, but could you just please don't throw your dirty clothes on the floor? Could you please do the dishes and don't leave, you know, dirty dishes in the room? Um, that's kind of a deal breaker for me. So just kind of come, you know, to an agreement about, how you're going to navigate this relationship. It's almost like a set of rules to live by as roommates, you know, like it's, I'm okay with this, but please do this. Totally. We have a couple minutes left and I want to promote your book. Oh, thank you. Can you talk about your book? My book is called Rock Freshman Year, Your Roadmap to the Ultimate College Experience. And I, I wrote it uh, specifically for incoming college freshmen 
So it's full of tips on how to be happy and successful in college. And it's probably a little bit different than people would think. It's not just a book about do this, don't do this. Do th There's some of that, you know, do this and don't do this. But it's really about being true to who you are, discovering who you want to be, and uh, learning to take personal responsibility and really coming out happy. I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about making sure when kids go through college, they come out four years later doing something that they love. Because let me tell you, you have the rest of your lives to work out there, guys. Um, let's make sure you're spending those 40 hours a week doing something you love. Uh, so that's really the idea of the book is to get you connected to that. There's some stretch work in there. So if you take it to the next level, you can kind of do some journal activities that pull some of this information out for you and help you get there. So if you have a freshman in college or an incoming freshman, Kim is offering a free consultation for any incoming college freshman. So contact her. Her info is in the show notes, kim at kimgerard.com, or her phone number is 562-252-5534. Website is kimgerard.com. But everything is in the show note, even to the book. Be sure to go there. And thank you, Kim, so much for your information and your knowledge and your support. Thank you so much, Jackie. Had a great time. Awesome. Well, listeners, until next time, always be learning, always be growing. Have a great week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.